Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have Logan Christopher. Uh, He's the CEO of a company called Lost Empire Herbs. The website's also lostempireherbs.com. And I met Logan uh, at least once over the past few years, and he he told me about some of the various herbs that he works with and, and sells to people, and it sounded super interesting. And I recently heard him on an on an interview with uh, Perry Marshall, who's a very well known uh, you know marketer, marketing guru, and not, he's also into evolutionary biology. And Logan did a really great presentation on uh, you know the medical complex, big pharma, and what they're all about. So we may touch on that, but we'll start with herbs. So Logan, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah, tell me about your background. How did you get interested in and involved with herbs? Absolutely. So my, I have another business called Legendary Strength, and I got books and videos uh, in different aspects of strength training. So I wasn't naturally strong or athletic kid or anything like that. But uh, around the age of 18, I started to get into bodyweight training, uh, which then led to kettlebells, which led to old-time strongman. So back around the turn of 1900s, back in the vaudeville era, uh, one of the things people did for entertainment was go to a show some of which included strongmen that would do these amazing feats of strength. So I learned about this and really, for whatever reason, it intrigued me and I I wanted to do that. Not being naturally strong or gifted in this sort of way, I was always seeking a secret weapon in order to better pursue my aims in doing this. And now I've done some fairly decent strength feats from pulling a fire truck, 8,800 pounds by my hair. I've bent horseshoes. I've ripped decks of cards into not just halves, but quarters and even eighths. So I, I've done quite a few different things, but really it was getting into strength training that led me is like, oh, well, I, I should probably learn about nutrition and health. So I really started diving into those fields. It led me into places like uh, hypnosis and neurolinguistic programming, energy medicine, a bunch of different stuff. But uh, one of these was also herbalism. Uh, so I, I took some herbs. One of the first herbs I ever took that I noticed a benefit with was the cordyceps mushroom, which is a really fascinating fungus. Fascinating mushroom. And uh, when I took this, I noticed I had more energy in my workout. So I was uh, hooked from the get-go. And then this led me into a long and deep dive into herbalism, uh, Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, Western herbalism, alchemy, even uh, all these different areas. And uh, out of these ideas, partnered with my two brothers, I uh, started a herb company. First and foremost, it was just to you know, fund our own supply, get us uh, some different herbs that we really liked and uh, really grew from there. So that's kind of how I got into it. What do you do today? Do you just sell various herbs to people and... Uh... Do you have to know their condition or like, how do you, how do you catalog what you know and how do you offer what you know? Absolutely. So of course we don't treat any specific medical diseases, not allowed to do that. Instead, what we really focus on is this idea performance herbalism. 
So like I was mentioning there, I got into herbs in order to support my performance in the gym, being stronger and all that. But really there's these other aspects like mental performance, or we can even think uh, like sleep performance, uh, sexual performance, these sort of things. So some of the best herbs out there, you're not necessarily treating disease. Of course, there are herbs that can help with that, but we're really focused on helping people to have better effects in their lives in these different areas, as well as many other ones. Basically, if you're looking for some sort of functionality, there is basically going to be herbs for that. So that's what we really focus on. Uh, now, as far as helping people out, we have a whole bunch of information on our website, articles, videos, podcasts, all kinds of different things. And the average person arriving at our website may not know what to do. So we have some things like a herbal quiz to narrow it down and find the right herb for you. But uh, foremost, since I'm not like working one-on-one -on -one with most people, we really are behind this idea of experiment. Try these herbs out, see if they work for you. We, a lot of our herbs are gonna give you noticeable benefits from. I feel like so many people in regarding supplements, they take them on faith. They hear they're good for them. Maybe they see a scientific study, they take it and they're like, I don't know. But with a lot of the herbs, uh, we focus on ones that have more feelable effects. So uh, if you have stress right now, we have one, for instance, blue vervain that really works well on the nervous system and not everybody, but a good amount of people when they taste this herb, the blue vervain, they can feel stress release from their body, specifically the nervous system right away. So we like to focus on herbs that can deliver tangible, real benefits right from the get-go, because ultimately that's the best way to convince people that they're getting results. Well, if you look at stuff ordered, let's say from Amazon, which I'm sure a lot of people do, mm -hmm. are there any tips or tricks on how to order things that will actually work versus junk? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, one, we are available on Amazon in addition to our website, so you can certainly seek us out. Amazon's certainly a, a tricky thing because there is a lot of crap out there. There absolutely is. Uh, one, in general, you do get what you pay for. So the bargain basement type stuff, a lot of the times you're getting either not very potent extract or you're getting stuff that says it's one thing, but may not actually be. So one of the things that we do, which I'm surprised more companies don't actually do, we send all our herbs off for independent lab testing and we post those tests to our website. So one, it's verified that we say it is, uh, that it's free from harmful microbes and that it has low heavy metals. Uh, very low. We actually have stricter standards than the government agencies out there. And this is especially important. Like people think everything from China is bad. Some Chinese herbs only come from China, right? But we get these suppliers, then we, we vet them out that they're definitely safe to take in these ways. So that's one of the things I like to, these are herbs that I personally take. Everyone in my company actually takes these herbs. One of the ways you can judge other companies, like, do you know who the CEO or the people in these companies are? And do they take the stuff themselves? Because if they're not taking their own product, chances are it's not the best thing out there. Have you, have you tested stuff that is on Amazon that's like commercially available to see if it's, uh, you know, if it's good or not? We haven't looked at too much at other people's products, just a little bit here and there, because the testing, unfortunately, is really expensive. That's one of the reasons why most people aren't actually doing that. Just every single test that we do is going to be like a couple hundred dollars. So, yeah, it's not the most cheapest thing to do out there. All right. So I guess buying from you, your stuff is more vetted than other places because you actually yeah. test things to see. 
Absolutely. Um, and there's there's a bunch of other great companies out there. So uh, you can certainly look, see if people are doing similar sort of things. I think the whole industry is moving towards a place of more transparency, like where do the herbs co come from? What are the growing conditions? How is it processed? What all the steps going into it? Rather than being not so transparent about these things, kind of hiding away behind proprietary formulas and that sort of stuff. Uh, that is something that I feel the whole industry ought to be shifting that way. And uh, we're hoping to help pave the path despite being a real small company at, at this time. Well, so if someone has a, an issue, how do they start going? How do they start figuring out what herbs they could take or should take? Looking for information. I mean, the, the best bet would be to work with a qualified herbalist, someone that knows specifically that kind of condition has worked with that before. You can find these people in various places. That would be the, the best bet where you can have someone really guide you through there. Of course, we can also punch up a search engine, search for herbs for XYZ. Uh, that can be a good starting place. I mean, you're going to have to filter through a bunch of crap, but that can uh, point you in some directions. And then once again, I think, assuming it's not like some sort of life-threatening condition, uh, you can experiment, try some things out, see what works for you. And go from there. Okay. Well, how is your site organized? Someone will put in what a condition they have, and then their herbs. That uh, I mean, I guess you got to be careful. You can't recommend or like. Can you say about what you sell? Like, how do you say it? So once again, we don't really treat conditions, but uh, for instance, uh, on our homepage or many places throughout the website, you'll see a link to a herbal quiz we have. So we ask you, what are you most interested in? Is it weight loss? Is it athletics? Is it beauty? Is it cognition? So we have a whole bunch of different categories. And then from there, we can narrow it down and point you in the direction of a different herb. There's also, of course, a, a search bar on our website. You can punch up a condition. So even though we may not have herbs that specifically treat that, uh, we can talk about some different ways. So for instance, an herb will not help you if you are diabetic, according to our rules and regulations. Uh, but there are herbs that can help support healthy blood sugar. Our gynostemma tea would be one of those. Shilajit is another one that can have some of those effects. So the different herbs can help with different things. It is one of the things that I'm trying to help people with is understanding we have our, our kind of paradigm, our worldview of how we look at health is not all that useful. <laughs> For the most part, we look at our healthcare is disease care. And really what I want to shift people to thinking about, yeah, of course, you, you can work with those things, but we want to really, what is true health? How can we support our health? Uh, and even if you're already healthy, get greater and greater levels of health, which I liken to a greater ability to handle stressors, mental stressors, emotional stressors, physical stressors, all these different things in life, be able to handle more of what life throws at us. And the herbs can definitely help in that pathway. So what are some of the, uh, the herbs that you've tried and, you know, that had a big effect on you? What are some examples? So one of the things that our company focuses on mostly is hormone support. We have a few different herbs that are great for that. So our, our biggest selling product is pine pollen. It's literally the pollen of pine trees. And this is kind of unique in nature, at least from what we know scientifically, in that it actually has trace amounts of human hormones in it. So it has testosterone, DHEA, uh, different things like this in it. Now, it's extremely tiny amount. Uh, this is nothing like going to your doctor and getting a testosterone injection. But uh, this is along with a whole bunch of other nutrients, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, amino acids, all, all kinds of other things. So what this pine pollen seems to be able to do in humans is to go in and help to regulate to support the the human hormone system for both men and women, even though this one's known more as a male herb. So it's really good at helping people in this way. So I 
being the weak and scrawny and unconfident kid, like I feel like I was not born with a whole lot of testosterone, that I was more deficient than most people. But using herbs such as pine pollen, I, I've gotten to a place where I have, uh, according to my blood test, like high ideal levels of testosterone to the point where I actually don't take the pine pollen regularly, like taking oh, some wow. other herbs, I feel I'm able to manage it and stay in this ideal level without taking some of the stronger herbs that we have. In fact, like the pine pollen tincture, uh, which is a alcohol extract that pulls, pulls out these hormone components, that one's too strong for me. Like I don't take it anymore because it's overpowering to me. Uh, but you know, a guy in his 60s who has hormone decline as commonly happens along with age, uh, this can be like a life-saving type of thing it can really change lives. And that's one of the things that we really like about what we're doing. We, we get testimonials from customers regularly saying like, you guys have changed my life for the better because that's, that's the kind of impact these, these herbs can have. So you took uh, this pine pollen and again, for you anecdotally, how much did your testosterone go up? Like what level was it at? What did it go to over time? So I never, or I didn't do like a strict before and after amount, but lately it's, it's actually been a few years. I, my best ever testosterone was 990 nanograms per deciliter, which uh, I was kind of like, oh man, I just didn't quite break a thousand, but that's like at the kind of top end of the ideal range right there. Right. Other times when I've tested it, I tend to be in the like 600 to 800 range. And that's as far as total testosterone. Then there's free testosterone, all, all kinds of details we can go into. But like I said, I didn't really have a before test to measure that against, but I, I certainly feel great here. I'm, I'm only yeah. 36, so I'm still a relatively young guy, uh, but I feel as good, if not better now than I did back in my early 20s. And that's something oh, wow. we hear from our customers who are much older, you know, I'm 50 or I'm 60 right now, and I feel like I'm in my 20s. So that's, that's a great. great thing to hear. So do your customers tend to come to you for one item and then end up buying others? Or like, what's an interaction with a customer look like over time? Yeah, many people start off with just one thing. But right now we have probably 40 or so different herbs as well as formulas with them. So as I'm always saying, I, I want people to experiment with these, you know, find different ones. And although people may come in for like, I'm just trying to sleep better. So I want some herbs for this. Uh, then they'll often try a, a different sort of herb. So many of our customers definitely are coming back and it, we have a lot of customers that have tried every single thing that we offer. So what is the mechanism of action of herbs versus, you know, like single molecule medications that you've observed? And I know it depends on the condition, but in general, right. like what are the big differences? So the way I like to think of this is kind of on a spectrum right? So on one end, we have food. On the other end, we have pharmaceutical drug. Now, they both have their place, although I think pharmaceutical medicine is vastly overused. Some medications absolutely are life-saving and very useful. But when we take a, a single molecule and we have a whole bunch of this and we put it in the body, it's going to have some effects. These effects can be very useful, but they also tend to come with side effects. We compare this with food, let's just say average food that, you know, what a lot of people have allergies with, it's going to like sustain us, but it's not having any sort of medicinal effect. Now, between these two poles, we have superfoods, we have herbs, we have, you know, more isolated herbal extracts gets closer to that drug category, because most drugs are coming from the plant kingdom anyway. So we have these things that may not be like nourishing us like food, but have more of a medicinal type of impact on us. So with herbs, 
you are definitely, there is the biological, the chemical components that are found in the herbs that then have the impact on the body. The, the way I really like to look at it is we humans tend to be kind of arrogant with our science. Uh, so that can be very useful to isolate something and use it all. But there, there's also wisdom in nature. So when we find one compound, we don't just think that one compound is the active constituent and does everything with that plant. There's all these other compounds. Many of the herbs we work with have 150, 200, even beyond that, different compounds in them. So there's a synergistic effect that goes on with these. There are things that are happening that we we just don't recognize. Our reductionist science can't look at all the different details. They want to isolate and find this one single thing. But there's really so much going on that, you know, even if we had tons of money, we couldn't figure it out because we're biology. We're complex systems. I like to work with nature in helping to support that. Then once again, drugs have a time and a place, uh, but let's try to use that place a little bit less because there's can be a lot more side effects with using something like that, both recognized and unrecognized. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Recently, again, you were compelled, it seemed like, to, to write this really long report with tons of references. There's a really mm-hmm. great presentation about Big Pharma. And, you know, if you want to go into that, like, you know, what, what's been your perception of Big Pharma? What caused you to, to go ahead and to put all this work in and write this big report on the state of it? So it was never really kind of my plan or intention to go into that. I was kind of aware you don't get into alternative medicine or alternative health, of which herbalism would be one component without being becoming kind of aware of some of the things, the shady things going on with the the medical industry. But I never dug too deep until it was about, I think, the middle of last year. Uh, I started to notice that censorship was on the rise, specifically around medicine and alternative health. For instance, like Google updated their thing and wiped out a whole bunch of websites, and it was much harder to find alternative health information through Google uh, than whole YouTube channels getting banned and all that. So I saw this a while ago. Obviously, it's gone into overdrive uh, towards the end of the year here and all throughout 2020. It's likely to get worse. But basically seeing censorship, if you study history at all, you know that censorship, when it occurs, does not stop. You know, it's not like, oh, we've we've censored all the bad stuff. We're done with our job now. It it continues. So I felt it was important to kind of start speaking out about this issue. So I started writing a series called My Medical Monopoly Musings, and I was doing this just once a week after a while. And it took a little while to find my stride, but I just started digging in and going. I'm looking up mainstream news articles. Most of this information is all out there. It's just that people aren't putting the pieces together. So uh, I was doing this. I was digging into the science itself. I was looking at whistleblowers from uh, the pharmaceutical companies, from the FDA, the people that regulate them, all this kind of stuff. And really, just kind of getting a picture of how it works, how our system has gone so far down off the wrong path, where really what it comes down to, I mean, there might be even more nefarious stuff than this, but if you follow the money, you see that there's a lot of money to be made. And a lot of that money that is made is then used to continue to grab and control and uh, gain more power by influencing other people, uh, including journalists, including the regulators, including politicians. All that kind of stuff is going on. So I just really kind of started digging into this and started exposing it, as many other people have. Uh, But I seem to have kind of a knack for researching information and find it fun for whatever reason. I spoke to Ken McCarthy, and he 
Yep. Um, he's going a lot into the history of uh, what's going on right now with COVID and previous uh, swine flu and things like that and, and big pharma. Mm-hmm. So I'm starting to hear it from a lot of angles and I'm starting to see censorship on a lot of different channels. So yeah, it's really running rampant, which is uh, very sad. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's kind of tough because uh, I don't want to say it's too late, but it's definitely getting harder. So how, how do I get this message out there and whatnot? And it, really, if you understand that we, we're getting to a point where it's like trust the science that's a line used to get people to not look at the science and whenever i argue with people about this topic like i have looked at a whole bunch of science off more often than not they've never looked at a shred of science before uh it, it wasn't like i was planning to get into this but it, it's just fascinating that what we really i see kind of moving forward we need to have more people that are less specialists and more generalized. Not that you can't have specialization or that that's not important at all, but we, we need like citizen scientists. Not that you have to be conducting scientific experiments yourself, although taking some herbs and seeing how they work on you, you know, it's not like a double blind placebo controlled study or anything like that, but it's, it's a type of experiment. And we need people that are capable of looking at science for themselves, not just trusting the authorities, because unfortunately the authorities have been abusing us for many years now, <laughs> they've been abusing that trust. They've been using it over and over again to manipulate people. And that it's very unfortunate, but that doesn't mean it is not true. Well, you know, there's no placebo double blind test on whether food will keep you alive or water. Right. Yeah. And there's no double blind placebo controlled uh, test that a parachute will help you if you jump out of an airplane. So right. we do want to look at some other things. It's reduction science is very useful for some things, but we also need to look at complexity science. We need to look at systems. We need to look at indigenous wisdom or long historical use of things. As we have moved into this ever more scientific paradigm, once again, not saying science is bad, it has its place, but we need to look outside that and understand that there's a whole bunch of other ways of knowing the world that can actually be more helpful in other circumstances. And so often we have thrown the baby out with the bathwater that uh, we are now suffering the consequences of it. What do you think your role is going to be going forward? You're providing herbs, you know, you're, you're likely helping people. Again, no guarantees, but what other roles do you see yourself taking on with these reports you're making and these things you're doing? Absolutely. So I'm going to continue to do my research and expose some of the shenanigans going on as well. Not just all current information. I certainly dig into that, but also in the past, because kind of the best indicator of what's going to happen in the future is by following the patterns of the past. Uh, For the most part, most people aren't changing. So you can learn a lot by learning how things have been done before. Uh, So history is a great teacher. Uh, So I plan to continue to do that. One of the other things I'm working on moving forward is recognizing that with this, our medical system, right, extremely useful in circumstances. And if we are really looking for holistic and better health overall for humankind, even the world as well, we need more and better systems around that. So I feel there's a need for us to shift into a new health paradigm. And I'm going to be exploring what that will be looking like a lot more in the future as well. Just criticizing the old system is not the most helpful thing. Like it's good. Like we have to wake up, we have to become aware of what is going on, especially as we seek to create a new system to be aware of the flaws that got us to where we are today. So uh, I feel that is certainly a important component, but also designing Uh, thinking about new systems, how we can really help human thriving so much more uh, with 
true healthcare with health system that supports us in all the different levels, all the different aspects that we are, and uh, really helps us out in more ways than just the established system. Do you see that censorship is effective? Because you said you speak to a lot of people, <laughs> and I guess you get into heated debates with many. So do you see that censorship's working on people, or what's your read? It's really hard to judge. So for instance, I, I post some of my writings on Facebook and it's crickets. Uh, there's a the term shadow banning, right? So they, they allow you to post it, but they don't widely circulate it. They certainly aren't boosting it up. Uh, so I, I know that is occurring, but the people that do read tend to say this is like some the best material out there. So I think censorship is effective on one level, but on another level, it's called the, the Streisand effect. You censor something that often draws more people to it. But uh, it, it's hard to say what is going on with specific incidents, because if they can stop people from seeing it, then it, it's not right. on their radar. While a, a few people know. like you and I uh, may be discussing these things, but the vast majority out there may not. So it's really hard to judge how effective is the censorship that is taking place being. Yeah, I just don't know if, if you speak to a lot of people and you hear that, you know, a lot of them seem to be repeating the stuff that they may probably hearing and seeing on TV, right. especially as it relates to covid and stuff do you see a lot of people uh, just listening to what's being told or what yeah i see so one thing that's interesting with our with social media right we we tend to get filter bubbles it's uh like the stuff they like whether this is the mainstream narrative or a counter narrative right and tend to not do something the the other way so then the the algorithms that exist on the social media will feed you more of what you like and less of what you don't like including especially if you're blocking people that have any opinion counter to your own. So people get into these filter bubbles, which further uh, reinforce their cognitive biases that reinforce whatever they believe to be true. They're just seeing all information that feeds that. I think one thing that's really useful is to specifically work to counteract that. All of us humans have cognitive biases. It's all of us, myself included, uh, have these issues. Even if you're working to avoid them, like it's really hard to avoid these things. I try to specifically look at information that is mainstream, information that is non-mainstream, information on the left, information on the right, information that is conspiratorial, information that is not, to really cover a wide gamut because the truth is really hard to find, <laughs> to yeah. really get to the bottom of it. Uh, and by having different perspectives, you help to avoid those cognitive biases in yourself. You help to get information that otherwise you may not have heard at all before. So I think this can be a useful practice for people uh, to be wary of how they filter the information, how that's filtered for you, just through censorship, through social media algorithms, but even within yourself, how you are then filtering information and just to make sure that you don't reinforce your own biases, really try to step outside of that, try to falsify ideas that you have, that sort of thing. Are you able to read uh, scientific papers and journals? Yeah. So with that, I know when I'm over my head, or at least I have some idea when I'm in over my head, when the statistic modeling is way beyond my skill set. So recently I thought this was funny there was a Forbes article saying like hey scientists or people shouldn't look at science you know, I know you think yeah. So. Yeah, was terrible. yeah they said that and even if you are a scientist you have to stay in your lane was the message in this and this goes back to what I was saying by we need citizen scientists we need people that can read it and I, I feel that's really more or less a propaganda message that don't allow us or trust the experts right continue to trust the experts 
because uh, we're the experts and you're not smart enough to know what yep. we're doing. So yeah, I feel it is very useful for people to engage with science and that can be very hard in the beginning. You know, I, I wasn't always reading scientific papers, but I really started with the herbalism, looking into hormones, all this different stuff. And I can understand at least some science. I, and once again, I know when I'm in over my head, so I'm able to correct for that. And you can then see and look for people that will interpret the science for you one way or another. And this can be useful to help you to understand the science better, right? So find someone that describes, oh, why this science is amazing science, look at someone that says that, then find someone that says, oh no, that's such a crap study and here's why. Look at both angles and you can better understand what is actually good science and what is spin on science that is then propagated out. I, I did the same thing. It took me like a year of consistently reading papers in order to be able to get up to a level where I can understand, you know, yep. 60, 70% of them. Some of them right. in other fields, I can't understand anything like Right. Yeah. Some of it you do really need to be super advanced to get somewhere. But uh, many things, especially in the health field, I'd say, unless they're using some uh, crazy stuff, uh, it should be at least a little bit understandable. And once again, like recognize when you are in over your head. I, I think that's an important thing to do. We have a few minutes left. Can we go back to herbs for a little bit? Absolutely. I don't know. What are some of the helpful guidelines or guide rails that you found by learning about herbs? What's... um. It's like a way to, uh, you know, for someone to approach learning about them and using them on their own selves, like their general guidelines. Yeah, I mean, some of the stuff we were just talking about can be really useful. There's science around herbs. Some herbs have a lot more of the science than uh, other ones, but uh, that's out there. So you can certainly read up on the science. You can read up, uh, learn different things. But ultimately, I think it comes down to just trying them out. So one other point that I think is important to make is it's only in the last hundred years or so that we as a human species have stopped using herbs prior to scientific medicine coming in and saying everything else was bunk. Herbs were medicine that people used. We had folk healers, we had all kinds of things. And you know what? Amazingly, humans survived all the time before. <laughs> so we, we knew a thing or two, even if it wasn't quote unquote science. Uh, and the more science actually looks at these things, the more often than not, it finds that there was these ancient systems were correct in many of their things, that this herb was good for this sort of thing. Uh, when science looks, it often finds that si uh, herbs have always been a part of our food, like let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. Our food is especially degraded now, the, the, the soil nutrition and everything. So we have less nutrients in our soil when we need even more. And thus the food that's grown out of that or the animals that eat the food that's grown out of that, it's all a horrible thing. So we need actually even more quote unquote medicine in this way. So I think just consuming herbs, no matter what it is, consume your herb. And this doesn't just mean like the, the flavor culinary herbs, the ones that taste good. Those are good. There's definitely a lot of benefits there. And absolutely use them. But understand that with tastes, uh, if you're not eating any bitter herbs, uh, this is throwing out a whole class of different constituents because if they're bitter tasting, uh, that means that there's bitter alkaloids or different things in there. If you completely avoid anything that's bitter, it means you're not getting any of that before. And this is useful stuff for the human body to thrive. So eat your herbs of different types. And this includes herbs across a wide range of different tastes. Just get them into your diet in some, whether this is supplemental form or otherwise, and go from there. Experiment. And I, I really do believe this has the power to make people far healthier because 
this is what we're meant to be doing. Are herbs always subtle? I mean, I've noticed taking various herb concoctions. Usually they're, they're subtle. You know, they'll, they'll say, oh, it has this or that beneficial effect. But yep. medicines seem like punch in the face <laughs> in terms of strength. Herbs, are they always subtle or are they not necessarily? Not, not always, right? So let, let's talk about mushrooms, right? Psilocybin mushrooms, magic well, okay. mushrooms. No, uh, th- this is getting hit over the head in the sledgehammer, <laughs> right? Very, very strong effects. Or, we, you know, not all mushrooms are good. So we have the death caps or destroying angels. These are uh, mushrooms that will kill you, right? Or, yeah, Amanita muscaria is another uh, hallucinogen, a very interesting one. That's the people listening, the red one with the white dots. Uh, so some herbs are not subtle at all, <laughs> uh, but many of them happen to be, and it can depend on dose. It can depend on ac- extract qualities. It depends on the function. Like one good place for people to work with is the uh, the herbs that are often called hypnotics or sedatives, these are ones that can help people to sleep or that can help with pain. Analgesics would be another word. These ones can give a noticeable kind of consciousness shift in that they can tire you out. So uh, valerian root is one of these. Hops, which is commonly found in beer. If people have ever drinking a beer and felt tired after, that can, that can be the hops working there. You usually have to drink quite a few before you get the more energizing effect from the alcohol. So the herbs... Some are subtle, absolutely, and some have stronger effects. And a lot of the herbs we work with at Lost Empire Herbs are kind of in the middle ground there. So like I said, trying to give people feelable effects they can work with. But this also has to do with individual sensitivity, individual awareness. So, you know, I've, I've worked with different energy medicine systems and different things in my body, all my strength training and whatnot. I, I listen to my body in doing that. So I've cultivated pretty good awareness that I can take an herb and often notice something going on with that right away, but most people aren't starting there. So you got to start with where you're at and just go from there. Okay. What's the most dramatic effect you felt from an herb health-wise? There are herbs that can help in that. And that's a lot of our customers like us for that reason. And here's the thing. You don't necessarily need to be having problems as a man in order to benefit from these herbs. So we have a formula called Thor's hammer and (laughs) I take that one every once in a while. It just makes sex more fun. Uh, like it can feel more pleasurable. Uh, I won't get into a lot of detail here, but uh, that can be a, a great one to experiment with. It's fun to experiment with that one. So there you go. What's in that one? Is it a proprietary or is it? Uh... Yeah, Thor's Hammer is a blend of five different herbs. We have Tonkat Ali, which is great for the uh, helping the hormone system. There is Makuna, which is has uh, L-Dopa, uh, the precursor to dopamine, which has to do with arousal. There is Horny Goatweed, which... Uh, as the name implies, uh, and the whole story behind making goats horny, but specifically that has Icarin as a constituent, which is a PDE5 inhibitor. This is the same class of action by which Viagra, Cialis, that kind of thing works. Uh, obviously, the horny goat weed is not working to that level, but that's included in there along with a whole other uh, complement of stuff. There's Sustanch, which is known as Sustanch in Your Pants or the stock enlarger. So uh, I'll let <laughs> you go uh, with that one. And then last of all, there's Shilajit, which is the destroyer of mountains or the destroyer of weakness and the conqueror of mountains. Also nicknamed Indian Viagra, uh, really works by completely different mechanisms, but tends to be a potentiator, something that helps boost the performance of all the other herbs it's combined with. So that, that blending of five formulate that specifically to work across these different mechanisms of action in the body and what may specifically be useful for sex. Yeah, see, that's what I mean. There's herbal concoctions and stuff, and then there's medications. Like, if you were to compare Viagra, I don't know if you ever tried it, but 
Viagra versus this herbal concoction, Thor's hammer, what do you notice? Is like, like I've noticed when something's, again, medicine feels like sometimes getting hit with a sledgehammer. Herbal stuff seems to be more subtle. I don't know if it works less or more, but it just seems to feel different. I've personally not ever taken Viagra, so I can't speak from personal experience. But going back to that spectrum of what I was saying, the the food, the super foods, the herbs, the drugs. So Viagra, that's going to work on that one mechanism of action, which seems to work really well for that. But it's important to note Viagra does not work for everyone. Uh, people who have like no testosterone at all, like bottom of the barrel, uh, they can take Viagra and still not get an erection. So uh, there can be other components that are really necessary. But once again, that's one compound which has this huge amount that you flood your body with and it can work for that action. There's also some can sometimes be serious side effects with Viagra. So you, you move down the line, the spectrum to something like our herbal formula. No, it's not going to have the same kind of super strong effect of that, but the effect may be noticeable and nothing works for everyone. So we have many customers that get that formula and they absolutely love it. We get other people that get it and say, it didn't work for me. And that's one of the reasons we offer a money back guarantee on things. We want people to try them out and see what works for them. So I, I can't guarantee any sort of actin. Uh, I can't guarantee that it may not be so subtle. You might not notice it, but for many people, it is gives them a noticeable difference. Just it won't be Viagra strong. Definitely want to guide your expectations in how strong these things can be. I haven't found any herb that is quite that strong. Yeah, nothing works for everybody, I guess, is the take-home message, whether it's Absolutely. medication or herbs. So, yeah. Did you research each individual herb? Like, how did you build up your knowledge? Are you, did you take herbalism classes or what did you do? Yes, I did some training in herbalism. It's not a licensed profession or anything like that, but I did a, a two-year program as well as different classes with different people as far as all the herbs that we sell on the website. Yeah, a lot of research goes into looking into them. I kind of comb through all the scientific studies. We tend to have detailed product descriptions so you can learn quite a bit about each herb that we have on there and still unfolding. I'm by no means an herbal master. I'm still on the learning path with this. So what's the future of the Lost Empire Herbs for you? What do you want to do with the business? We're still working on growing the business, really ultimately kind of long-term plans. We want seeking towards more vertical integration. So uh, a lot of the times we are getting like finished herbal extracts from other suppliers, depending where we can find the best stuff. We want to be doing more of that in-house in the future. Uh, we have some good relationships with actual farmers here in the U.S. for a few of our herbs. Uh, we want to potentially down the road even be like working even closer with those farms or owning farms ourselves. Uh, we have a lot of overseas suppliers. We do that independent third-party lab testing. We have, uh, but we have not yet visited all of our overseas suppliers. So that's something we'd like to do. We got some big plans for the future. Uh, we're going to continue to bring out more different herbs, different formulas, lots of things to continue helping people out. All right. So Logan, where can people go to find out more about you? What are a couple of sources? LostEmpireHerbs.com is the website to find all this herbal stuff. You'll find all the herbs there, tons of information. Uh, so go check it out. Uh, I also mentioned LegendaryStrength.com. Uh, that's my website for more fitness, strength training type information as well. And if you are most interested in some of my stuff around the, the medical monopoly, I would say go to healthsovereign.com. That's my podcast. have some interviews on there as well as a lot of uh, solo episodes where I dive in deep on these topics. So that's a good place for people to look. 
Well, Logan, thanks for coming. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this has been a blast. Thanks for having me. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.